Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, this episode for me is kind of cool. Dr. John Frank, welcome to the show. Uh, it's not every, not every day that we have a uh, two-time Super Bowl champion on the show. But I think the most interesting thing about where, our, where I feel our conversation might lead us to and what I want to share with our listeners is football has never been the most exciting thing, at least I gather from reading some of your bios online and we have a mutual friend in Mike Capuzzi. Football has never really been the thing that really gets you fired up in a day. It seems to be medicine and, and, and the study of medicine and the practice of medicine and higher learning. Is that a fair statement? I, I, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, oh, uh, you're welcome. My honor. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really excited and uh, I'm excited to get to know you better. And I've heard so many great things about you. And, and uh, it's, a, it's really a pleasure and honor to be here. And um, yeah, football, um, I was a very intense player. I played five years for the, all for the same team. Um, I was drafted in the second round out of Ohio State. And that was a big deal. I mean, I was... My dream was to go to medical school at the time. And, and um, during the draft, we didn't even have cable TV at the time. And so I, I had, we, I like went out and bought like um, a 25 or a 50 foot extension to our telephone so that I could, we, I ran it through the window of our apartment. Wow. In, outside of Ohio State and to the neighbor's television. And, and everybody was going to class and it was draft day. And I was just waiting for the phone to ring. And, um, and, um, and it ran, you know, they, it was so funny how that works. They, at the time, the USFL was, um, in just like it back now. So there were all these other things going on and I was going to go to medical school. So the phone rang and they said, Hey, um, the 49ers and, and we're about to draft you. Um, it was in the second round, bottom of the second round, and the pick was coming up and it was on the clock. It was always on the clock. Right. And they said, are you still available? I'm thinking, available? What? I, really? They're asking me if I'm available to be drafted in the second round? Like, right. no, I went off to uh, Africa on some uh, mission. Like, you know, so. Yeah, was, of course I'm available. I, I didn't know what they meant. Um, but uh, yeah, I was drafted. So I was an intense player. I played five years luckiest guy in the planet. We won the Super Bowl my first year and then my last year when I retired. And um, it was just, you know, a slice yeah. a slice of life for me. Very, very lucky. Yeah. Very, very fortunate. Very, very yeah, You know, you're so, you know, it, you know, and I know your, your football career is but a season of your life, right? Yeah. But you're so, you're so humble about it because that second, Super Bowl, I think you caught the winning drive touchdown pass from Joe Montana. Is that right? Do I have that right? Um, there was the drive, Super Bowl 23. And um, um, I mean, I was in there. I would like to take credit for the actual touchdown pass. That was John, Ta John another John, John Taylor. But I, okay. caught, um, I caught a crucial first down on that in between yep. Jerry Rice and, and um, Roger Craig. And of course, the great Joe Montana and and then John Taylor caught the touchdown. But um, I mean, I still, I mean, even to this day, I still look at those guys like I don't even feel like I'm in a league with them because they, wow. I don't. I just, I never, I was such a, was a kid. I was a wide-eyed kid, Jeff. I mean, I looked at all that. I mean, I was growing up in Pittsburgh and, uh, and, um, and I saw the Steelers back in the day and the Pirates and they were all larger than life. And then when I, 
worked really hard. I made it through to get to the NFL and the Super Bowl. And I still look at those stuff, was playing alongside them and we're, we're, we're playing together, but I still like, wow. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting, you know, so we, we are pre-recording this show, uh, actually on day two of the 2023 draft. So yeah. it's really kind of interesting. You know, you're going to see this in a little later in May. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so interesting. Your experience, your draft experience with the pomp and circumstance and the, yeah. the, uh, the the fanfare and the gallantry and all of the production of draft day, I watched a little bit last night and then went to bed. And um, but so so different that you took the twenty foot uh, phone extension out the window and you know are you available? Well, yeah, I'm available. Like just so, so different. So really really an interesting part of your life. And then so you win this that as again as I understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong. You win that last Super Bowl in your fifth year. And you decide to retire from football. Yeah, I had, I met my goal. I, I didn't know where I was going to go from there. Um, I was in medical school at the time, part-time. I was like grinding my way through medical school and in the off seasons and taking a class here and anatomy course there and, um, and um, playing football, playing the NFL. And, uh, you know, the, the more I, the longer I played in the NFL, the further removed I became from, from medicine, from, from, from all the rigors and everything that it was going to take. I mean, it's a grind to go through medical school, yeah. you know, they, it's a, it's a, it's, whew, that's, uh, that's some climb. And the longer I played, the more difficult. I was, I was, I was falling further and further away from where I wanted to be in, in medicine, almost to the point where I thought, you know, I was in my third or fourth year in the NFL. And I thought maybe my third year, if I, if I keep playing in the NFL, I'm never going to be able to get back. It, it's, you know, wow. it takes such commitment in, in med, in med school. And I wasn't like, you know, I was a decent, I was a good student, but, but, you know, I was, I was had other things going on, namely football and stuff. And so it was pulling me away. And I thought after my fourth year, during my fourth year, I finally made the starting team. I was a backup tight end. I mean, talk about humble. When I got to the NFL or the opposite of humble, when I got there, I looked at the talent and, and the players and I thought, I mean, I was wide-eyed, like I was saying, with the stars. But the guys that were playing my position, I was so competitive. I thought, I'm, I should be able to play right away. Yet, I was a, a second-string tight end. And, and yeah. uh, they had a big um, commitment to the tight end in, in front of me. And I thought I was as good or better than him. But I, I didn't get a chance to start. So my, my dream was to, to make the starting lineup. And it didn't happen until my fourth year. And once I made the starting lineup, I, I was good. I played in the, as a starting tight end in the NFL. I'm like, I'm, yeah. good. I'm done. I, we finished that fourth season and I, and I told my mother, um, I remember I told several people for some reason this sticks with me. I called her. I said, the season's over. It's fourth year. You'll be glad. She always worried about me getting injured and, um, yep. nervous and didn't want me to play. I said, I'm done. I'm retiring. You're going to be so happy, mom. I said, 
finally I'm out. And she, she had just the opposite reaction. She's like, what? You just made the starting team. You, no, you don't quit now. Right. You got to play at least well, another year. Yeah. And so I, I played the next year. I'm like, what I'm thinking in the back of my mind, it could be all that hard to, 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 to pass those med school tests and get through the rotations. So I played the next year and like from heaven, we win the Super Bowl. So at that yeah. point, I, I retired. Yeah. That, that was it, Jeff. I, I, I retired. Then I made an announcement and, um, yeah, I read like it was like pretty, pretty much right after the game, right? Uh, yeah, not too long after. I, I knew I was going to retire. I wanted to give them, I will, I wanted to give them the chance to, um, tr- to replace me, to draft someone yeah. and not, not be, and they did, you know, for, they thought, they thought it was going to be a big problem in my position, but I, I could see that the, the guys were up and coming. Like the, the, the player who was after me was, I thought at that point, like when I came and I said, I thought I was better than the player that had me. When I got into my fifth year, I lost a step. I'm not sure they knew it, but I knew it. And right. I knew Brent Jones, who was going to be great. And they didn't. I mean, they thought he had potential. And I'm like, no, you guys, he's going to be great. You guys he's are going your to be guy. You're going to be yeah. good. Yeah. He's going to be great. And then they won. Then they crushed Denver in the Super Bowl. I was in my first year of medical. My, I was in my first full-time year of medical school. And we remember watching that game. And the Niners are, are like destroying and they're tearing it up in the Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, this is tough. This is really hard. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get through rotations and not get kicked off. Uh, <laughs> you know, it did for, you know, I didn't know any, it was tough. It was hard. It was yeah, a very difficult yeah. position, but it turned around and, 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 you know, you stay in it long enough and you persist. Um, and it got, you know, got through. I made it. I got my degrees and my MDs and my, residencies and it took years to get like like to a high level of of medicine and 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 they were tough they were tough yeah you know it's it's intriguing it's so intriguing to me because i think most people who would take in this episode or hear of a two-time super bowl winning football player like that level of success and in chasing goals in life that's like maybe football isn't everybody's dream but that's like a pinnacle right it seems like those pinnacles are equal for people and here you've accomplished two pinnacles to get through md school to practice medicine so why for you um why is medicine so important for you well first of all i think it's hard for most um I assume, and I believe it is, I, I don't know this as a fact, but I, I believe it's difficult to reach a pinnacle in sports like that uh, at age 27 or 25 for that matter, unless you're Tom Brady and you're in your 40s. But, um, you know, and then what do you, what's your, you still have 40 years to go or longer in life or who knows right. how long, you know? And it's like, what are you going to do to keep, what are you going to do to surpass to, to keep, you know, interested, keep yourself interested and excited. And, and, um, so for me, it was another career that was really a first career. Um, right. Cause I never knew you could get that injury and the chances of, uh, the chances of making oh. it to them were so low. So I just hadn't made it, did a calculation. Like I'm going to go with a more sure thing. Um, 
you know, a medical career, which for a while wasn't a sure thing, but I just felt right. like it was something to do for life. And it was, you know, a really um, important thing, you know, helping others and, and being a doctor. And, you know, I had a good enough grades as an undergraduate and I was right in the, in the mix. Like, well, that's a noble career if you could, if you could stand it. <laughs> Right, you know, right. The, uh, the blood, and the needles, and the and the and the, the you know everything, the emotional load that comes along when you're dealing with individuals that are sick. If you can make that, then then yeah, you're gonna. It's a it's an it's a good way to go. So that was that was really the my primary objective was to be a doctor the whole time, and and yeah. just I was very lucky, you know the yeah. everything lined up for me. Yeah, you know it's interesting you talk about. The, the grind of, of being a doctor, getting through those rotations, putting your time in, you know, the realities of it. Yes, it's a prestigious career to have. Yes, you're doing good in the world. I have a friend who's uh, an anesthesiologist. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, you know, in the, in the realm of what he does, you know, yeah. they, they don't pay me for my time. They pay me for the memories that I bring home. You know, because oh, he that's sees... Really, that's cool. I like that. He, I like that a lot. And, yeah. and, it, and it's both good memories because he's got some, you know, he's very skilled, right? And he's, yeah. he's been, he's been in all aspects of, of medicine, not, not an MD, but, um, you know, he's had a lot of, he's had a long career and yeah. so there's good memories, but then there's bad memories, right? Yeah. Like you said, like you, just the emotional aspect of it. Um, yeah. Again, it's just really cool to me that you've, you've stayed so focused on that goal of of having a career in medicine and having a career in helping people with health problems and health issues yeah. and feeling and ultimately the goal being to feel more confident we'll talk about what you're doing presently but to stay so focused on that while having a distraction as a professional well a collegiate football career which is a low percentage thing for most anyway yeah let alone at a d1 school and then an even lower percentage of a professional football career what, you know, again, like, I'll, I'll ask it a different way. So with those two things in the way for a span of, you were five years in the pros and yeah. four, four years in college, nine years. Yeah. What was it in the back of your head that kept medicine, that kept that career, like, this is what I want to chase? I mean, I, you know, once you, once you make a commitment to something, you know, there's no turning back. And uh, I wanted to do it since I was young. I was young. And when I made the decision, I... Someone in my family had had, you know, we had people with major. Everybody goes through, you know, family illnesses, and the uh, the doctors were they were real role models at the time. Of course, I you mm. know this is in the growing up as a child in the sixties, the seventies. Doctors were, you know, many doctors were very uh, how you know they were were role models. It's a little different today, and and medicine has changed dramatically and and um it's it's you know it's very difficult so but back in the day the doctors that somewhere in the neighborhood or the doctors that were treating people in my family like you know these were people to really respect and 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 i you know i'm not gonna say worship but you know they just left a giant impression on me like that that's cool that yeah. that's Look at the respect the, they have. I don't see it as much today, and I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to, well, I, unless you want to, but um, 
I think medicine's different. And and well, I think I think anybody listening understands why medicine is different. And we yeah, we don't need to go into it because I don't think that would be a great show for either yeah, of us or yeah, our yeah, listener. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. everybody gets yeah. it's it's insurance companies that dictate so much of what happens in a day and what happens between you as a doctor and your patient, right? I mean, I just I just read an article. Um, I forget where I read it, but um, it's talking about you know the the objectives of modern medicine now, and and um, really, it's it's gone a little bit away from the primary objective of of healing and caring for people and taking care of people is has been eclipsed by um, the financial, um, and you can't blame the people that are in for business or whatever it is, the, 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 the government or big farmer and thing. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got people, they've got bottom lines and, and right. somehow has, has overshadowed really the basics for why I went into medicine in the first place was to be a healer, to help right. people. Um, and I, I do feel like I've, I've, I've spent a little, a, a great part of my life developing skills, physical skills, emotional skills, people skills to, to really help. Um, you know, yeah. if someone comes, if someone is across from me in a, in an exam room or a consultation room and they have an issue or a problem and it used to be much more, um, life threatening problems before I went into hair restoration, but still with hair restoration, there's an emotional issue. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and 100%. the people I work on have, they've got, they've got life where they want it. They're, they're usually all older men above the age of 35, set careers, families. They know who they are. They're not 25 bopping around on a Eurail pass, trying to figure things out. These are guys, they've got it, but the hair bothers them. And, right. and, and I'm sensitive to that. And, right. and I don't, you know, surgery, I'm an excellent surgeon. I, I, you know, if I could say so, it's, I mean, I say if it's true, it's not bragging. I've spent a lot of time and, and I, and I have excellent surgical skills, but so much of it is judgment and how, who to work with, who, who to, uh, who to, to delay and do some other things. And so, um, that judgment and, and that sensitivity. So, so just getting back to where, the conversation of of medicine and it's just different today. So, yeah, that aspect of medicine, me getting a chance to to help somebody solve a personal problem with how they feel about themselves and their appearance. Um, I mean, I'm all over that and and, yeah, yeah. and enjoy that very very much. And, yeah. um, and well, it, it, it drives me. Yeah, you know, really, what you're doing is in your own way, you're you're honoring your career, you're honoring your commitment to medicine what your belief is, what aligns with your values in the space of insurance and, and medicine and this modern world of healthcare, you're, you're, you're restoring balance in this one sector of how people feel, right? And you do, you do hair loss, you have hair clinics and, and your, your book, we'll talk about your book because your book Thank is you. one, of, one of my core beliefs in marketing a business and that's having a book to connect to your ideal client and how you use that to grow yeah. and help your clients and in your case, patients. Um, but uh, really what you're doing is, is you're resetting that equilibrium within your little chunk of the world of healthcare. Right? Yeah. 
you're, re- you're resetting that balance and, yeah. and that's a good thing. And, and yeah, that's the problem with medicine and healthcare at large, but in your world, there's more balance and it's more direct with you and the person in front of you. Yeah. I, I was, I joke with my sons, like we ain't got no problem with hair up here, but we're never going to grow beards like you have for some reason. <laughs> like our whole family's that way. Like we look like, this is about all I'll get right here. That's it. Nothing else happens here. <laughs> and, uh, I told my boys, like, yeah, you're, you're pretty solid when it comes to the top of your head. But if you want to be the bearded, the bearded warrior, not going to happen. Uh, at least as it seems ge- from a genealogy perspective. Well, you got um, a good, you got a good goatee going on there. I, you know, I know, I, I noticed that. That was one of the first things I noticed. I, I felt, I think, it, no, I think you're good there. Yeah. You the, it, do, it just doesn't. It's, it just doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah, no. Hey, such, such as it is. My wife wouldn't like that anyway. So. Well, um, there you go. That's, that's the, that's that. Now, now we're getting to the bottom line. Right. Right. So. And all so the you, other stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, in a basket and throw it away, yep. you know. Yep. Mom is happy. Then it's all good. That's right. So, that's right. And so. <laughs> So let's talk about the guys that you're helping. You said, obviously, well, not obviously, but you said uh, they're not the 25-year-old kind of running around, getting a taste of life in every corner of the yeah. world. You know, you're helping people. Um, like, who should get your book, I guess, right? So two-minute warning. Let's talk about that. You yeah. Two-minute warning. Again, not to spin back into football. So I have authors on my show. Um Typically, you know, the bulk of authors are people that run a good blog or they send good emails. So they're writing. I, you know, that's authorship. But you've got a real book, which is important. I think there's nothing like sending a real book to your clients. So you've got that. It's called Two Minute Warning. And the foreword is written by Joe Montana, which is pretty cool. Like that's yeah. neat. It's a neat little wrinkle to it. But who should yeah. get that book beyond somebody that wants to, you know, hear from two you know, from you and, and Joe Montana, but like, who's the guy that should get your book? I mean, it's, it's really most interesting to, to guys 35 and older. I think, I mean, younger guys can read it, but the people that can get the most value are 35 and older. They're set in life. They, they, the thing that is, is consistent with people that really enjoy the book now. Um, it's only been out several months, but I've got really nice feedback. Um, they, people, these guys have had good hair at some point in their life. They were known for their hair, whether, you know, thick, full hair and, and they've got everything else in life, like I was saying, and, and restoring or keeping their hair has eluded them. They're not looking for, um, they're not wondering that if this was some, um, some, um, wild, exotic, um, medical diagnosis, some disease of their hair or scalp, and they need, um, hundreds of tests or dozens of tests and doctors and exams and, and things like that. This is, you know, you, you've had great hair. You've made it in life. It's not the way it used to be. And then maybe you've been to um, some of the other clinics out there that are, are sort of fat hair factories. And, um, and their job is to get everybody under the knife that comes to see them. Mm. Um, well, I don't do that. You know, many people have life-changing experiences um, in my hands or another hair transplant doctor's hands, like changes everything. Game changing experiences to have more hair with yeah. a transplant, but not everybody else. Not everybody does. We, I probably turn delay or turn away probably about a quarter of the people that come to me for a number of reasons. And so 
yeah, there's there's physical there's physical factors, expectations. Maybe there's other things. Um, um, donor. There's several things which 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 um would would. Look, I have to have like a a a, 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 a time machine and try and figure out what people are going to look like, not just the day after the procedure, but the year, the five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line. Um, because hair loss on one hand, which is the reason why it's so great is it's permanent hair. Um, it's not a, it's not a toupee or a wig. And for some people that could be great. We like to joke about it many times, but for my, my, my folks in New York that are on Broadway or, you know, on uh, TV anchors and things, and they need a quick solution and they work, you'd be surprised. Those are fine, you know, and I, I recommend those often. Um, but, but that, but hair transplant is a permanent solution. And so for that, yeah. you've got to be very careful. You really have to know what you're doing. And, um, and I do know what I'm doing and I'm proud of yeah. it. You know, I've been doing it a long time. So, um, so that's, that's really the, that's what people that really, I, I, as my clients, they've got it figured out and they just, just want more and more air and they have realistic yeah. expectations. And, and so th- those are the people that I think enjoy the book. And there's other things in the book. Yeah. Joe did the foreword. Um, and Joe Montana, um, and I share some um, football stories in there. It's not a book about football. It's not a chronicle. Yeah. It's not. It's not meant for ESPN. But there's some things which are pertinent when it comes to, um, like, we have a story in the book about um, one of my friends, one of the guys I played with as a linebacker, the toughest, meanest. Nice guy off the field, but when you stepped across those that that line, I mean, I was an NFL tight end, and and I still cringe thinking about what a badass he was. And right, the thing is, like, and I was, and I'm, I use this example uh, because when you go to see a doctor, some people are, most people are comfortable, but there's people that have what's called white coat syndromes. As soon as they walk into that clinic. And they see the doctor with the white coat, their blood pressure elevates. And some people even faint, just at whatever. And so, but this, this linebacker, I'm not going to call him out. Um, I'm not right. kidding. Um, I mean, he was, he couldn't hate Shucks. Out. Yeah, he's what? Shucks. I wanted the, I wanted the dirt. I know, so that's okay. I, I know, but you go, go in for the physical at the beginning of the year. And, uh, they put the blood pressure pressure just to take his blood pressure. I mean, it squeezes the arm, but come on, it's not painful. It's not like, you know, right. Right. You know, my, my 10 year old daughter can handle that. They put that around him and, and the blood pressure cuff was going down 160, 140 millimeters, 120. And then boom, he hits the floor. He faints, passes out. Like, so, you know, that's, it's an, you know, so I talk about a few things that are, are bridge between what I do because I, you know, I have to pay attention to very, very close attention. I'm still a doctor first and foremost. So right, right. Or there's some there's some things to 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 um to to that share. They they sort of illustrate what what um what it's like to be a doctor yet having having this background. Yeah. So, you know, obviously hair loss is, is your thing. Hair restoration is your thing. Well, hair loss isn't your thing. What what you do with it is your thing with hair restoration. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have your own hair replacement clinics. But to kind of turn this back to most all listeners, right? Because not everybody deals with hair loss. Yeah. I want to get your take on as a person coming to 
improve their health, right? Yeah. Because, you know, fixing your hair may not on the surface seem like a health issue, but it yeah. is because if you're walking around and you're self-conscious about it, that's an emotional drain that takes a physical toll yeah. and it can manifest in a bunch of different ways, right? Yeah. And so from your view of the doctor, like if somebody's looking ahead at their problem and they're viewing it as this mountain to climb that they don't think they got the tools for, you know, what's, what's kind of your toolkit to get somebody like that prepared to maybe tackle some weight loss, tackle, the, you know, that problem, like that, that white coat syndrome problem. They just don't want to yeah. go to the doctor's office. Yeah. What's, what kind of toolkit do they need to have? Well, I, I, I mean, I thank you so much for, for, for asking me. Um, I do deal with that. You know, people come to me with hair, but then inevitably, you know, weight loss or relationships or cholesterol or exercise or whatever it is. I mean, the first thing I, I try and help people with is, uh, gosh, and to, to get off any of the, you know, the medicines. I mean, I, you know, mm. doctors are prescribing medicines like it's candy these days and, and people yeah. like come to rely on that. And, and, and even for like, you know, sleeping aids, you know, the ambience and Valiums and, the uh, and the sleeping pills are, you know, as a temporary for a crisis or an emergency, you can't sleep, but you're jet lagged. And even me, when I travel, like if I, if I travel out of the time zones and I, I don't like doing that myself. It's like, it just, the, there's so much medicine. So I try and, and figure that out as far as like what people could do to help themselves health wise. Um, gosh, I mean, there's so many natural cures now. I mean, I'm a um, pedigree doctor, university. I'm still on the staff of Columbia University in New York. And so I, I don't want to piss too many people off in the ivory town, but I just think that, that you know, I, there's so much overprescription and, and, and the natural, I, I'll tell you, you know, meditation and, and fresh air and sleep and setting goals for those type of things. Um, I mean, I love technology, but, but, um, you know, you cannot allow technology to, and this is a message for young doctors to eclipse just the basic, um, one-on-one -on -one healing and being a caregiver and caring. And it, that all goes back to just being an yeah. individual and, and having good relationships at home and with your friends and colleagues and, um, and having a bigger, we're not going to get all spiritual, but just having a bigger picture. A bigger connection, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's so many things you just said there that kind of fired off in my mind. So we'll kind of maybe go a little rapid fire as we look to wrap up our time together. So on the overprescription thing, you know, I think, I think you knew I had my knee total replacement. Yeah. Um, some other yeah. stuff involved with the quad tendon and the quad muscle and, and a prior yeah, surgery. Bone graft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so many pills and there was so much miscommunication. Yeah. I almost overdosed myself. It happens it, it, all the time. And, and when I say almost overdosed myself, it was my wife and I working together. And, you know, a week removed from surgery, I wasn't, or was it two weeks? No, a week. Um, you know, I don't, we don't point blame at anybody. It just was a thing that happened. But I wake up on a Monday morning and I feel, I, I kind of summed it up like I felt like I had a stroke. Like we were concerned about blood clots and like did something happen overnight? But it, it can happen that fast. And uh, it can happen it, that it was, fast. You're lucky. It was, it was, it was, it was very eye opening to me. And so I spent the day in the ER and, you know, 
went in the morning, mid-morning, and by that night, you know, I was feeling better and because everything was getting through the system, right? And uh, so, yeah, like that overprescription of things, like sometimes less is more, right? If you can reduce those, reduce those pills, less can be more. Definitely. Um, for sure. So yeah, for sure. yeah. We don't want to offend the 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 ivory tower people, but no, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> when you know, strip I, it down, I, less is more. Everybody has a role, and I, you know, uh, you know, I like meditation. You know, just some of the things, personal things, which I'm into, are meditation. I'll yep. meditate at least once or twice every day. Um, take different techniques. Um, intermittent fasting is very much. Catchy now in today's mm, modern yeah. world, but there's something to be said for that. I believe in it. Um, you so know, well, on that note, on that note, I'll just quickly inter- interject on the intermittent fasting. So I've got some friends yeah. that that go for five days. Yeah. Now they now these are like these guys are into running, weightlifting, yeah. high intent. Like they're really yeah. they're prepared yeah. for it. Yeah. Okay, we're not suggesting, and and I guess I should have clarified at the top of the show. We're not dispensing any medical advice on this show, even though we have a doctor on the show. You should always go consult your physician personally, yeah. et cetera. Thank legal, legal, legal stuff. We should just yeah. say that. Yeah. Get well, that I, to be part of it. Yeah. But, but yeah, the intermittent fasting thing, like they said, like my one friend, Adam, is really into it because he's had a lot of cancer in his family. Yeah. And I guess the studies are showing if you can go through five days, and I, I'm going to butcher the word, is it effigy? Um, and maybe I'm just butchering the word so bad you don't even recognize it. But basically the, the, the logic is you're, you're removing all the toxins from your body that get in through food, that get in through any other ingestion other than water. And it's basically a five day water fast. And the body does such a purification of itself that it can reduce the predispositions to cancers later in life. And, uh, and so that's, well, that's why, that's why he does it. Yeah. I, like I just find it. that so interesting. I think it is interesting. I've done it myself for maybe three days. I like it. I like it. And then I'll, I'll to break a fast, I'll, I'll break the fast with something from the ground, a plant, a root, a leaf, mm. and just get like your body's craving for, for nutrition and calories and let it just like suck everything out of that. I mean, I'll, I'll have a, you know, then I'll, I'll indulge later with, with, with carbohydrate, pastas and burgers, et cetera. But for that first, just that initial hour of, of, of intermediate, like something from the ground, something whole, some whole food. Um, um, that's what I, so yeah, I think there's something there for intermittent fasting. I love to know that it helps with, uh, with cancer prevention. Um, you know, yeah, and, and that would, that would, you know, it, I, I think it probably will, but I think, you know, we don't know all of everything about it yet, but we, right. we will, we will, that, that we got to kick, we got to kick that, we got to kick the butt of cancer. I mean, that's. Yeah. Well, yeah. whether it, yeah. whether it does or it doesn't in my friend Adam's mind, and you know, as a doctor, the mind is a powerful tool as far as what you go into something, how you recover from something. And so the fact that he's eating healthy, doing these things, and in his mind, he's believing it. That has to, on some level, play a part. Oh, for sure. That that's. I mean, that's together meditation and and and, yeah. and using your mind. They say your mind is the the biggest pharmaceutical uh, store, you know, on the planet. And and you know, I've done some hypnosis and work, and I've got and I've learned some hypnosis and um, and using that in my clinic has been very helpful. 
Oh, and, wow. Interesting. And, um, yeah. You, I mean, and you can self-hypnotize, but I, I, I routinely do that with my, my patients and, and it's, it's very helpful. It's very helpful to month. We're just, I mean, at some point where, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, we, people were people with, with, you know, visions and that, I mean, there's, we're getting, hopefully getting back to that era where we're using the mind to do, do un, un, previously unlike imaginable things. And so, yeah. um, but it all starts within, it's like, you know, what you're saying, it's all within. And, and so, um, yeah, I'm all about that, all about that, yeah. all about it. It's interesting you touched on meditation and reduction of technology because right after we do our show, I'm going into a recording with my really great, this is my opportunity to praise our great producer, Chris from Cast Ahead. You need anything podcasting, he's the guy, but we're going to do a solo episode. So we have something and as a backup and for another purpose, but the, the crux of that is going to be about showcasing what I use for a daily routine. And, um, and so. That I could have done and shared that out with the world through an app. Yeah. But it's going to be old school, you know, paper and pen, journal style production yeah. in the hands of the user. Because yeah. I just believe that you need to remove yourself from all this technology. Give yourself that opportunity for meditation and reflection. For sure. And yeah, there's tons of great apps out there. But I think, yeah. I think there can be a lot of served through that time of meditation and reflection and, 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 you know, pen to paper, right? So, so what do you, what do you see as some of your favorite benefits from that, those moments of meditation reflection that you have? I mean, everything. I'm now I've gotten to the point where I, I can't imagine. I mean, my big three things are, are, you know, to get out of like a funk, which everybody gets into from time to time, whether you're, uh, whether your your computer breaks down and gives you error messages or or stuff like that, whatever it is, or or uh, something happens at home or whatever, there's a problem or you squeeze yourself and and um, so my big things are 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 music, um, exercise, and and then ultimately meditation. You know, you can exercise um, to the point where you're you put yourself like in that runner's high or the zone and and etc. Um, so there's definitely something to be said for that. And music, you know, you can do the same, but just that personal reflection, like you're 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 alluding to, and 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 meditating, um, can take you to another level. And um, and so and so, it's. It's it's experiential and it's kind of hard to talk about until you, and it sounds like you've had a fair amount of that. And so, yep. you know, contrast that to, to the, um, you know, the digital age. So you come into the office, you turn on your computer. So just stop. Don't look at all the emails. Don't surf the net. Don't go on social media. Just stop and think what you want to do. Like you said, put yourself yep. down, pen to paper. And, and, and as I get to know you, Jeff, a little better and hopefully more in the future and living your ultimate life and the big ticket life, it's like, you're in charge. The, you know, yeah. the data, the excitement, the, 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 everything that's thrown at you, it's so alluring and it's tempting, but, but, you know, step back, step back, put the pen to paper, meditate, figure out what you want. And, and and leave it all behind, you know, and, 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 and you're in charge, you're in charge of stuff. 
And, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of my, I'd like to be better at that because when I, yeah. when I approach, when I approach my day that way, I feel much better. I feel, I feel that that's how I feel the best. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad I'm yeah. glad you're doing that. I'd love to see a copy of that, you know? I will get you one and for sure. Would, yeah. Share that with me after. For I, sure. Yep. You know, or, um, you know, it, 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 it's interesting that you would comment about getting better at that and you feel for yourself there's room for improvement. So I think the way to leave our listeners and watchers before we let everybody know how to get a hold of you, uh, you know, how to get a hold of the clinic, we'll review how to get two minute warning one last time. Don't go and beat yourself up, right? Like you're at where you're at. There's always room for improvement. And even though you see high achievers like Dr. John here, you know, he's still looking to improve, right? As long as, as long as a part of your journey is improvement, Let's make it happen. That's what right? it's all about. And, That's and, all about. You know, 1% for John Frank is, is 1% for him. 1% for me is 1% for me. 1% for you is 1% for you. If we're getting better that way each day. By the end of the year, habit stack all that stuff up and you're going you're gonna to be in a much different place, much happier place. So, John, how do we, uh, how do we get people two-minute warning? Where do they go? www.johnfrankmd.net. Johnfrankmd.net. There it is. Yep. Um, it's, it's a free book. It, the content is really good. Um, it's not fluff. It's, it's a quick read. It's, you know, an hour or two and that's it. But, um, there's, like I said, some football stuff in there, but, uh, it really addresses men, men, over the age of 35 who have hair loss, it, it will resonate. Um, and, um, and I'd love to, I'd love to get your feedback. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, if you, uh, felt connected to this episode, felt connected to what John's doing with his hair, uh, restoration clinics, johnfrankmd.net, you can get the book, get started down that path and, uh, connect with him there. There's a chat box there. If you want to kind of jump to the front of the line, but I think the best place to go would be get that book and they'll ship it out to you uh, pretty quickly. And uh, you'll be on the way to um, feeling better about yourself, more confident. And John, I've really enjoyed our time together. This was a great, great little time we had. And thank you. Thank you for being with me today. My, my, my pleasure, Jeff. That was talk about a uh, meditation time warp. That, that was the fastest 50 minutes or 45 <laughs> or hour that- It goes by quick. Wow, where did that go? So yep, that means, that means, that means I had a great time. So thank you That's so good. much. That's good. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for uh, joining me and uh, everybody watching, listening. We'll, um, we'll see you next week on The Big Ticket Life. Everybody take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living 
a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.